podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Footy News Weekly, where we uh, break down all the football news of the week. We have a look at various different stories and rumours and all the rest of it. You guys ask some questions, we get involved. Uh, so first and foremost, we were supposed to be having Theo from um, the Sheds End, from the Sheds End podcast. Uh, unfortunately, he's had a, a last minute personal situation, which he's had to deal with. So he's not coming on tonight. Um, he'll be on next week in some form. Next Thursday is the return of Roderick Giggs on football. Hip hip hooray. Rodders is back. We're going to do a Premier League preview. Catch up with him. Get ready for the new season. Obviously, we have the championship season coming on Saturday as well. So we're going to discuss a bit of that this evening. Um, we talked about that yesterday, though, on the championship show more. But I am going to do re give my predictions for that just because we had a bit of uh, internet connection issues around that time. We give our Premier League predictions. But the question that I want to ask for you guys today to start us off is, which Premier League club has had the best transfer window as of today, the 3rd of August? Which club has had the best window? That's what I want to know from you guys. I'm going to discuss it in uh, just a second. But um, I want to hear from you guys. You tell me who you think has had the best window in the Premier League so far. Which team has improved the most? Um, obviously, Arsenal have signed Declan Rice. They've signed Timber. Um, Havertz. United have signed a few. Chelsea have signed a few. It looks like they may get Casado if they if Brighton. I don't know, though. Brighton playing hardball. Um we got Robert Sanchez, the goalkeeper, going to Chelsea. we got Newcastle have made a few signings, made another £40 million signing today for Southampton player. So it's interesting stuff. There's lots to discuss, lots to get into. Um, there's even been some rumours this past week about Mbappe coming to the Premier League and Chelsea offering, trying to put together some sort of players plus cash deal. I've got to be honest... I think the only place Mbappe goes is Real Madrid. I think he, if Madrid can find the money or some sort of deal which pleases PSG, he'll go this summer. I honestly think the fact that he turned down Saudi Arabia, or well, I didn't even want to talk to them, that makes me think he's. everyone seems to think he's got a deal to go to Madrid next summer at the end of his contract. I think that probably is the case, but I also think Madrid hadn't budgeted for him this summer. So they will either have to find the money, get some, maybe uh, some sort of deal with some players or whatnot, sell some players. But it's an interesting one. Would you like to see Mbappe in the Premier League? Because i got to be honest. Um, so I, I asked a couple of my United supporting mates, if Qatar took over, would you, would you take, would you want Mbappe? And they all said the same thing. Look, great footballer, but the the hassle that comes with it, they're kind of trying to move away from that. 
like Ronaldo and that all that situation last year, like that was really disruptive. And I think that in United's case, it would be just more like hassle than they need, you know? I am. Um, it's just it's, it's interesting. Like again, Chelsea have been an absolute shit show, and I was really looking forward to talking to Theo tonight to kind of put that to him because they've just been shocking off the pitch. It just been on the pitch. It's just been a shambles. But um, we will do that. It'll be next week. Um. So I just don't think. I mean, I could imagine Chelsea signing him. I just don't think it would be a good idea for him. I just don't think. I think great footballer. But, like, the amount of money you'd have to pay him, the circus that comes with it, I just think he's more hassle than he's worth. I think Madrid, probably the best suited club for him in terms of the circus, the money it would cost, everything. And, by the way, what a team they're going to have. Like, Camavinga, like, is gonna looks like he's going to go on and be, like, the be- best defensive midfielder in the world in a few years. You've got um, Jude Bellingham in there, one of the most highly rated young players. Then you add Mbappe into it, plus all the other players. they got a young squad, a good squad. Madrid could be dominating Europe for years. But it's interesting because the Premier League always seems to do quite well. Uh, Reese says, it's really hard to tell. All clubs seem to have... Uh, strengthened very wisely. Villa and Newcastle both doing a good one. Arsenal strengthened key, key positions. They do need a number nine. Uh, he says Mbappe has been gets given everything at PSG. England is different. You can't come in and be the main man. He'll be found out quick and he won't get his own way all the time. Can he handle that? And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Is if you come into any other traditional sort of big six, say, Yes, you know, he'll still be the main man. But there's so many egos. The clubs are bigger worldwide. Like, he won't get the the free reign that he gets in Paris. Um, I think he's, in fairness to him, I think he's taken Paris as far as he can. They tried everything. They kept him and, and he gave his all. They just couldn't get it right in, in Europe. Um, I'd love to see him, you know, playing in the Premier League in one way. But if I was... A supporter of a Premier League club, I don't know whether I'd necessarily want him. Like on the transfer window, I think Arsenal have done some good business. I think there's question marks over Declan Rice. I'll continue to say that, and I think there's question marks over Havertz if he's going to play in midfield. But I think overall their squad looks better than it was last year. I think Manchester City is an interesting one because. Gudungan was so vital to the way they play in every way, like on the ball, they're dictating the tempo, getting forwards. Like he is going to be a huge miss. And, you know, Kovacic is good from Chelsea. I'm not sure he's, I don't think they're at the same level, though. I don't think he's the same level as Gudungan. So City are going to be interesting what they can kind of, do now, and I'm sure they'll sign a player or two now before the end of the window. Um, Gavardiol looks like it's got to be done, which is he's a great defender. It's a good signing. Liverpool have picked up a couple of really intelligent signings. I still think they need more, so it'll be interesting who they bring in. They've been linked with Labia from from Southampton. I think that's a decent signing on top of what they've already got because their midfield really needed like a a clear out. Um, 
I think I said before, I think United have done gone about their business quite well. Like quietly just got the right players, not necessarily the biggest name players, which they've done in the past. They've gone for players that will fit the system, fit the squad, made the squad deeper. So that'll be interesting. Obviously, they've got the risk of a young striker. You don't know what's going to be, what how long he'll take to settle. But he is a very good player. So it'll be it's going to be interesting. Um, I think Villa, for me, is in really flown under the window, Villa have, in terms of what they've done in this transfer window. They've brought in um, Musa Diaby from Leverkusen for sort of 55 million euros. Absolutely phenomenal uh, right winger. Young, 24, just about to hit his peak. You know, it's perfect for what they're looking to do. Then you've got, they brought in Pau Torres. Pau Torres, 26-year-old centre-back. He was linked with all of the biggest clubs in the Premier League and Europe a couple of years back. He is a quality footballer. And they signed him for 33 million euros. And I look at that, and I look at, um, like, United, when they eventually get rid of Maguire, they need the centre-back. And for that price, he would have been a great signing. Tillmans from Leicester, dreadful last year. Bad attitude, bad performances, bad everything. But we all know he's a proven Premier League player. Probably just a bad season. Leicester went down. He's in the last year of his contract. Probably a combination of those things. You can imagine him coming good. They've already got a great manager, Villa, and they showed that last year. Like, I watched Villa. I speak to Derek Brazil about this today, actually. Is that we were talking about, like, you looked at Villa last year a couple of times towards the end of the season, and they looked like they were only, like, two or three players away from really, really kicking on. Um, So you add in, you've got Diaby on the wing. You've got Torres at the back. You've got Tillmans. Then you've got um, Sanson from... Strasbourg, a, a solid central midfielder. Um, you've got um, Wesley Morales is a, a centre-forward from Levante, 26. I don't know a lot about him. Um, or they might be actually lone players. You yeah. might be wrong about that. But it, just those three, even to start with, I think uh, a phenomenal signings. I really do. Um, so it'll be interesting who they pick up. Someone told me that they should go for Harry Maguire. I disagree. I think Harry Maguire needs to go to a side in the Premier League which plays with a low block, not a high line. And I think Villa play with they play quite high line. So I don't necessarily think that he would suit them. But I think Villa have had a tremendous window. Um, who else have we got? I think Chelsea... Mind have had a sneaky decent window without drawing remark, you know, without somehow not really drawing much attention to themselves. I think Newcastle have made some great signings. That um, Sandro Tonali, who's gone to uh, Newcastle, is an absolutely fantastic signing. Um, and I really think he's going to do some bits. Um, Sabotsier, I think it's pronounced, that Liverpool's going to do bits. Um, James Madison going to Spurs. Chelsea have signed that Christopher Nkunku, and it looks like they're going to loan him out, which is just remarkable. It's like the good old Chelsea days, that is, loan everyone out. And then you've got Declan Rice, which I've, you know, I've said my piece on Declan. He's a good footballer. But what it comes down to is if I was any of those top six clubs and I needed a central midfielder, 
I'd be looking to bring in uh, Casado over Declan Rice. Apparently, Brighton have set a deadline on the de- uh, on the Casado deal, and if it's not done by next week, it's not getting done, and they're not going to let him go, which is interesting. Also, apparently, someone uh, another Premier League team has been sniffing around him this week as well. So it's really interesting, like the way the the Premier League sort of transfers are developing because. I think Arsenal, Liverpool, United have done some good work. I think Chelsea have done all right. Robert Sanchez is an interesting one from Brighton. Um, he's a good keeper. Is he like top top level keeper? I'm not sure. No, I'm just not sure if he's if he's the tip top tip top. But. Who knows? Maybe maybe he's the one. So here's a question um, for you guys as well. Is um, There's been links to Chelsea doing a direct swap deal for Lukaku for Vlahovic. Is that a good deal for Chelsea, for Juventus? Is that a good swap? I don't think it is. Like... I think Vlahovic is a good, I think he's a good, good striker. And I think in the right team, he could be a great striker. Is Lukaku still in that, or has he ever been in that sort of upper echelon of like the very top, top strikers? I'm not sure. I think it's a good deal for Chelsea if they get Vlahovic in and Lukaku goes to to Juve. Well, I guess you know you've got rid of Lukaku, which is what they want. But I think Dusan Vlahovic. If I'm Juventus, I either want money for him, or I don't let him go, or someone else. I just don't think Lukaku's the answer for them. But maybe he's, he seems to do quite well in, in Italian football. Juventus have need need to make some some changes because they didn't have a great season. So maybe you know maybe that is the the way they're thinking of it. They need to freshen up a bit. Um, Lukaku, I don't know what to say about him really. I like Vlahovic, so I think he's a good good striker, and um, I think he'll score some goals under Pochettino. I really do. Um, Newcastle. Been linked with uh, Southampton defender, or I think they might have even signed him. They've agreed a deal for Tino uh, Livramento, uh, 40 million, which seems to be the figure that Newcastle signed all their players for. Um, Newcastle have agreed a deal for Southampton right back. Tino Livramento, 40 million, including add ons. Um, I think that's a bit, I gotta say, I think that's a blow for, for Southampton. I think he's a real good, real good right back. Um, and again, Newcastle, some great signings like Tonelli, Harvey Barnes, really good young players. Not just that, though. And then you've got Livermento. But what I think with it is, if you look at those players, they look like Eddie Howe players. They look like players that Eddie Howe will get the best out of. They're young. They're keen. They want to push on. And I think that they're going to do well. I think Newcastle will be up there again, challenging. I don't know whether they'll be right up there, 
because when I look at, I don't know, let's have a look at the table and let's have a little look at the sort of top four race and let's have a little chat about who we think is uh, doing well. We'll start with Arsenal. Arsenal finished second last year. Um, they relied heavily on Eddie uh, Nekataya after Jesus was injured. Jesus is injured again. I think they need a number nine because uh, Nekataya misses a lot of chances for me. I don't think he's like top, top level. He's, I think he's a good squad player. Um, so I think Arteta will probably try and bring in another striker now. Um, a good signing for them would have been Gonzalez from... Fika, I think, uh, but I believe he's gone to Paris today. Um, Jesus was missing the start of the season's a blow. You could play Kai Havertz up there. You've also got um, the guy who they brought in from Brighton last year, Trossard. Um, yeah, I think Arsenal done some good business. I'm not sure if they know what their f- first choice team is. They've been like linked with David Raya. Um, seems like from the outside, at least, um, as if Ramsdale's under a bit of pressure. Fans not happy with them. Arsenal fans. I mean, it's, I know it's not like Arsenal fans to be unhappy with their their own team, but you'd think they'd be all set for the new season. Great, you know, they've spent money. They finished second last year. They had a good season. They've strengthened, but apparently not. Apparently, Ramsdale's been the the, the target for a few choice words recently after some preseason re- uh, performances, but they've got they got Matt Turner as a reserve keeper. They got Aaron Ramsdale. Do they need David Ray? I'm not so sure. I think they need a number nine more than they need uh, a goalkeeper. I got to be honest. They've got like five goalkeepers on their books, so I'm not sure they need another. But you know they've got Saliba. They've got Gabriel. I'm not not convinced about Gabriel still. I think he's got a mistake in him. But when Salabar's there, he covers up for it very well. You can also play Timber at centre-back. I know he's being brought in predominantly as a right-back. But they do seem to have a lot of centre-backs. Like, I know, like, um, Tommy Tommy Issue, I think his name's pronounced. I know he plays right-back, but I'm pretty sure he used to play centre-back. Ben White can play centre-back. You've got... Rob Holding, you've got Kiwa, you've got Timber, you've got Gabriel, you've got Saliba. Solid. And then you've got um, Cedric Suarez, you've got uh, Toby Shu, you've got Ben White, Tavares. Kieran Tierney, I think, has got to go from Arsenal for his career because the manager does not seem as if he fancies him at all. Hasn't really got a look in him pre-season. He prefers... Jinchenko at left back, and when Jinchenko hasn't been available, they played uh, Ben White and Tomishu as the as the fullbacks. Kieran Kieran Tierney is a very very good fullback, a good left back. He's twenty six. If I'm him, I'm looking to go because the manager does not fancy him at all. Um, so I think Arsenal have done pretty good midfield wise. They've got. Declan Rice, Thomas Partey and Jorginho and El Nene as their sort of four defensive options in the midfield area. Then you've got Odegaard coming off the back of a great season. You've got Lukunga, um, Kai Havertz, still don't think he's a midfielder, but okay. 
uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Riviera, Martinelli, Trossard, Sacco. So they look Marquinhos. You've got Gabriel Zeus. Balogun is a good striker. Um, I think he might be going on loan if he hasn't already. But actually, Balogun, he'd be my... If he, if he hasn't gone on loan already or he, he, if he's going to... I think Balogun would be my preferred choice if I'm an Arsenal fan to play centre-forward while Zeus is out. Hey, Zeus is out. But, you know, I guess Arsenal fans would know, know better than me. Um, let's have a look at that Chelsea squad. So, Chelsea, as as ever, have spent a fortune, as they always do. Goalkeeping options. They do need a keeper. They got Kepper, and then they've got like a couple of sort of Bettinelli and... Uh, Slonia, so they probably you know they do need a keeper. So Sanchez coming in makes sense to challenge Kepa for the for that space. Fafana's got a long term injury, which means they probably need a centre back. But then Levi Colwell's come back for his loan at Brighton. Um, Brighton were trying to get him signed on a permanent deal in the Casado deal. Uh, uh, Chelsea are having none of it, and Levi Colwell has now signed a new six year deal, which I was a bit surprised by, but good for him. I would like to see him go and take his Chelsea place. I think he's good enough. I think he's a great centre-back. And I think he showed at Brighton that he can play at the top level of the Premier League. So get him in there while Fafana's injured. Give him a chance. Um, you've got Trevor Chalabar, um, Thiago Silva. You've got Ben Chilwell, Cucurella. It's pretty solid. Uh, Rich James. Some solid options in the midfield. You've got the phenomenal Enzo Fernandez in defensive midfield. Um, Conor Gallagher. And then they've signed that Chuka Chukawumika as a central midfielder, who's a pretty good prospect. You've got Sterling, Mudrich. I think Mudrich will do well this year. He, he was like a bit of a face of ridicule last year, but I think there's a player there if he can get his confidence up. Um, Callum Hudson, the Doye, I think he's probably got to go. Ziyech. But he, the Ziyech is a weird one. He was gone to Saudi and then he failed a medical or there was some sort of problem with his medical and didn't go. Um, you've got a couple of youngsters like Angelo, who are good. And then you've got, they've signed up front. They've got Nkunku, 25. I'd imagine he's going to be their guy. But then you've also got, at the moment, you've got Lukaku. I'm assuming he's not going to be there. He hasn't got a squad number. Um, and then they've got a couple of younger strikers in Nicholas Jackson and... Uh, Armando Bruja. Bruja is an interesting one to me. I like him a lot. Um, only a young man, 21. But um, he's got a 17 caps for Albania already. Kind of gone under the radar a bit. Played under-21s football last year, which was probably a bit of a worry. Although he did play for, I think, he did go on a bit of a lone spell. But he's a very good footballer. And I think maybe Chelsea have got to give some of these young players a chance, you know. But I guess we'll see how they develop with that squad. They've been linked with Harry Maguire again this week, um, very briefly. I don't think he's the right signing. But I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in someone like him to rotate with Thiago Silva. I think it's not the worst... It's not the worst signing in the world. Um, Man City, again, I don't think they've done loads of business. But what they have done is quite clever. Um, I think 
as I said, Gudungan's a, a massive loss. Massive loss. Um, they got two quality keepers in Edison and Stefan Ortega. I couldn't believe Stefan Ortega's dirty. Great he did. What a keeper he was in the in the FA Cup final. He did so well. But they got Diaz and Ake and Stones and Akanji and Laporte. Um, and they've got Gradiol coming in. Um, obviously, Cancelo looks like he's going to Barcelona. Kyle Walker looks like he might be on his way out as well. So it makes sense why they're getting Gradiol in. And then you've got your Kovacic. You've got Calvin Phillips. You've got Rodri. Bernardo Silva, uh, De Bruyne. Cole Palmer played a few games last year. And then you've got Foden, Grealish, Haaland, Julian Alvarez. Incredible squad. I do think after Gradiol we see City sign at least one more uh, midfielder or sort of attacking midfielder forward. Um, I think that's pretty clear. But Bernardo Silva wants out as well. So I think Silva goes, I think Cancelo goes, and I think Kyle Walker's gone. So they're definitely bringing, they're bringing Gradiol, who kind of covers the Walker um Go in and Cancelo go and Cancelo wasn't there last year anyway. Um, Reese just said, uh, Jesus did a podcast a few weeks ago and he said he can't see Foden being happy there much longer. Pep doesn't play him often enough. Do you know what, mate? Right? You couldn't blame him, like, he's he's entering the peak of his kind of career in some ways because players do peak earlier this these days. He's 23. His value is supposedly 100 million plus. He's an England international. He's got the Euros coming up next year. I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because I wonder how many appearances he made last year. Let's have a look. I bet he made a good 30 odd. If I was guessing. There's no, not much. No, this is the career stats. I wanted the stats for last year. Oh well. Um, but I think for, if he would, if Foden became available, I think he'd be heavily, heavily linked with every man under the sun. Um, and then the last team I'm going to look at is the, the Manchester United team. I really like Eric Ten Hag. I think he's a good manager. And what has interested me about the way he's gone about his business is he seems to be getting rid of the, the big names. He got rid last year of all the people who were rumoured to be like the guys leaking to the press. Um, so I'm looking at their keeper options. They've got Anana, obviously he's number one. They've got Tom Heaton, who's Premier League goalkeeper. He's good. They've also got Mate Kovar. They've sold Nathan Bishop, which is surprising. The reason that's surprising, because I think Nathan Bishop was all right at number three and they could have loaned out Mateo Kovar because I think Kovar gets more playing for Sparta week in, week out. But they've been linked with um, the China, uh, Japanese goalkeeper, um, Suzuki. So I wouldn't be surprised if Suzuki comes in to be third choice and then Kovar goes on loan. they got Martinez, Varane, Maguire and Lindelof at the moment, as the, oh, and Johnny Evans, sorry, as their sort of four, which is really interesting because I said last week, if they sign Johnny Evans, Harry Maguire might not even get on the bench for United if he stays. Because effectively, he's sixth choice. Because we already know that Ten Hag likes a left-footed centre-back, which means Luke Shaw plays ahead of Maguire, and so does Johnny Evans. 
on the other side, Lindelof had a great end of the season and shows that he's the first choice on the right-hand side. So Maguire's effectively sixth choice. And if he's insisting on staying, he's going to have a problem. And with the Euros coming up, he can't afford that. You've got Luke Shaw, you've got Malasia, you've got Alvaro Fernandez. they probably go on loan. And then you've got Dallo, Wambasaka. The midfield's interesting. So as it stands today, you've got Casemiro, Scott McTomney, Ericsson, Fred, Van der Beek, Kobe Mainu, Fernandez, Mant, and Hannibal. But I think Hannibal's going on loan to Luton. Kobe Mainu's injured. Donny Van der Beek's going. Fred is going. And I think Scott McTomney will go as well. And I think they bring in Amrabat, which seems as if it's done. So then their options would be Casemiro, Amrabat, Mant, Christian Eriksen, and Kobe Mainu and Bruno Fernandez. Very balanced. And they all fit the way that Ten Hag wants to play. Then on the left, you've got Rashford, Ganacho. On the right, you've got Sancho and Anthony. But then you've also got in the background, Polistri, who's very decent. You've got Diallo, where you go on loan again. And then you've through the middle, you've got this new lad, Hoyland. Rashford can play there. They've also been playing Sancho as a false nine. And then Anthony Martial, who knows what's happening with him. And apparently there's an announcement coming next week that Mason Greenwood, uh, they're making a decision. From a purely football point of view, if they keep Mason Greenwood and he hits the levels or beyond that he was previously, it's like a new signing. And what a signing as a footballer. What a footballer he is, was. Don't know if he still will be because he's hasn't played for 18 months, two years. Um, it's very difficult to kind of... The Premier League is super competitive this year. And outside of Man City, who are there, I think everyone else is very closely matched. And it's going to be the top eight to ten teams. The results against each other are going to be really important this year in terms of how teams do. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because I think... If David Moyes can convince Maguire to go and he signs McTomney, West Ham have had a, a really good window, <laughs> which is is mental because they if you lose a £100 million player, you should be weaker. But I think West Ham are potentially going to end up stronger, which is, is crazy to me. Um, Reese, I'm going to get to your question in just a second. But, um, yeah, I stand by. You add McTomney. And you add Harry Maguire to that West Ham side and they are stronger than they were last year. It's just a fact. But they've lost a hundred million pound player. Um, Reese says, uh, here's one for you. Newcastle had to sell St. Maximum to the Saudi club for 30 million to buy Barnes. But due to FFP, uh, today found 40 million for a defender without having to sell. Well, this is this, this is why it's all laughable isn't it i believe mate they signed some sort of sponsorship deal um but since the harvey barnes deal i think um let me check that check my facts newcastle sign uh newcastle face scrutiny after 25 million pound a year uh sponsorship deal with event uh saudi events company seller so yeah i mean there's that. It is what it is, isn't it? You know? And what I don't understand is how they can find that money 
and they haven't got problems with FFP. But then you've got a club the size of Manchester United who have to sell players to buy Amrabat and haven't got the money to spend on Harry Kane, but have just signed a £900 million deal with uh, Adidas for the next 10 years or whatever it is. So, like, how does that work? Now, we all put the glazes aside. Like, when you look at the size of the clubs, both in the Champions League, United generate more money, get more money from sponsorships, etc. How are Newcastle able to find the money for these signings? And I'm sure Manchester United have spent net spend more this summer. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it just seems weird. Um, and look, Newcastle have been dogged with allegations of sport washing all summer. This this summer, it seems like the media have targeted them a lot more for it this year. But it's because, like you say. They had to sell say maximum to the Saudi club for 30 million to buy Harvey Barnes. But then they found 40 million for the Southampton defender today with no problem. It's weird, isn't it? It's I don't really understand financial fair play to to give a a full explanation to it. All I know is that it's bullshit. Because ultimately, if Harry Kane's agent which i believe is his brother but if his agent contacts manchester united and says make a bid we want to come to you they'll find the money but as it's as it stands today they haven't signed amrabat because they want to move on van de beek and fred so it's, it's such a ropey weird subject i don't understand it um and do you know what, right? Just while we're on this, just while I mention United, I'm already sick of the Haaland v. Hoyland comparisons. Like, the only thing they've got in common is they're Scandinavian, they're blonde, and they have H beginning with their surnames. That's it. They're different players. Haaland is in, if he continues on his current tra- trajectory and his potential, and he fulfills all his potential. He'll be up there with the Messi and the Ronaldos of the world. Hoyland's a 20-year-old Danish striker who has got a really good scoring record. If you when you break it down to his minutes per game, it think it works out about a goal every other game. But you've got Sky Sports and they, these kind of pundits saying, oh, he scored nine goals in Serie A. How will he cope with the Premier League? Well, actually, if you look at it and you break down how many minutes he played, because he's young and he's coming off the bench, and then you take into account his record for Denmark. Like he looks like a, a prospect, a great prospect, and someone who looks like they'll suit United's style of play. It might take him a season, but as I said to someone today, if he scores thirty percent of the chances which Veghorst missed, he'll get ten to fifteen goals over the season. Which, in my opinion, if the, if he gets that fifteen goals in his first season at United then they should be ecstatic. He's a 20-year-old kid. He's going to be very nervous and, and, and whatnot when he comes in. He's a United fan. It's going to be very difficult. And I think the comparisons have got to stop because at the end of the day, Haaland is a freak. He's incredible. Harry Kane, when he was 20, was stinking the place up on loan at Leicester. Different players develop at different speeds, different times. You've got to give young players time. 
He's a 20-year-old moving to a different country, to a, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, it, I don't think it's unfair, regardless of his price. He doesn't decide that. Got to give him time. But it's the same as anything, isn't it? Um, you compare uh, Anthony's treatment by TalkSport and Sky Sports last year, and you compare it to Harry Maguire, and you tell me who had a worse season and made more mistakes. Well, I can tell you that Maguire had a much worse season. Anthony played much more games. And generally speaking, I thought he did all right. But he gets all sorts of uh, like ridicule, abuse. But yet, we protect Harry Maguire at all costs. We're not even allowed to shout at him if you go by. They, they talk sports, spent two days the other day having a go at Anana because he shouted at flipping Maguire. It's insanity. Um, what I wanted to look at was I wanted to look at Anthony's stats versus Jack Grealish because I saw someone post on social media the other day that Anthony stats versus like the goal scored, the assists versus Grealish's were actually not that different last season. But Grealish had the best season ever, and Anthony's a flop. Again, he doesn't decide the. So Anthony scored 20. Well, he made 44 appearances and scored eight goals. I'm not going to have a deep dive into it. I'm just interested what the difference is. Uh, Jack Grealish, he scored. And he made last season. How many appearances did he make? Manchester City. 2023 made 50 appearances and scored five. So actually their return in goals and appearances was not that different. And in fact, Anthony scored more goals and made less appearances. I'm not saying that he was better. I'm just saying the difference in how players are treated by certain members of the media because of who they play for or where they're from. And let's not forget Jack Grealish is a hundred million pound player as well. It's, it's, it's shameful. These, some of these pundits, the re, the lack of research they do is embarrassing. Like, they get paid thousands of pounds and they don't know anything. Like, you watch the likes of um, Graham Souness and stuff. They'll be trotting out. Hoyland scored nine goals in all season last year for Atlanta. How can you spend that much money on him? Blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, like I just mentioned, goals per game. He's, he averages about a goal every other game, which is pretty good. Um, Reese says the media have to be careful. We all know how the Saudi crown prince likes to deal with journalists who don't agree with him. Uh, allegedly, allegedly, my friend. Um, what's the best signing do you think in the Premier League so far this season? Who's made the best signing? Oh, I'll open it up. What's the best signing in Europe? Top leagues this year. It's an interesting, interesting one. Um, best bit of business, West Ham getting 100 million for Declan Rice. Uh, I think, do you know what? I think, I think Jude Bellingham's up there. I really do. Because they got him pretty cheap, considering what some of the prices were being banded about. Like, 
the some of the like they were talking like 150 million at one point and then i think they got him pretty cheap so some of the big, biggest deals this summer declan rice 100 million plus 5 million add-ons jude bellingham 88 plus 25 in add-ons Havertz 65 million uh Sabot, to liverpool for 60 mason mount 55 plus 5 Tonali 52 to Newcastle. Uh, Christopher Nkunku to Chelsea 52. Malcolm from Zenit to El Al Halil Halil for 51 million. What a waste. 26 million player. Blackout. Manuel Ugarte for 51 million to PSG. That is a great signing. Ruben Neves, 47 million to the, to El Halil. Uh, Mateus Kunha from Atletico Madrid to Wolves, 44 million. Andre Nana, 43.9 to United. Kim Min Jae, 43 million to Bayern. James Madison, 40 million to Tottenham. Fabinho to Al, Al Italiad uh, for 40 million. Uh, Pedro Poirot. From Sporting to Spurs for 39. Harvey Barnes, 38 million. Uh, Opendo, Appenda from Lons to Leipzig, 36.9. Alexis McAllister, 35 plus 20 million in add ons. And Musa Diaby, 34.5, uh, 34.6 with 17 million worth of add ons um, to Villa. So that's the choices. What's the best signing out of all of them? Um, Reese, while you're all pondering that, Reese just asked me, uh, did you see Unana have a go at Maguire the other night? Yes, I did. I thought it was absolutely ludicrous, mate, that Talk Sport got two days worth of their pundits criticizing Unana for shouting at Maguire, ignoring the fact that in the same game he shouted at Bruno, he shouted at Brandon Williams, he shouted at whoever was playing left-back, Luke Shaw maybe, or Dallow. And also, when did the goalkeeper shouting at the defenders become a problem? Well, what, because it's Harry Maguire? Piss off. And by the way, he was rightly shouted at by the goalkeeper. He played Christian Eriksen into trouble when Christian Eriksen had three players around him and it nearly cost him a goal. Heaton was shouting, you know, Reese has just said that in the comments. Heaton was shouting at Brandon Williams because he gave away a goal. Goalkeepers are supposed to do the protection that Harry Maguire gets from the media, from Talk Sports specifically, but, but Sky as well. Gary Neville and, and Jamie Carragher, I think, are great pundits, but they are so reluctant to criticize Harry Maguire. Look at how Gary, Gary Neville criticized Bruno Fernandes last year. To the point where he said stuff which wasn't even true about him asking to come off, but they won't criticize Harry Maguire, who had an, who didn't even play that much but had a comical season, making numerous mistakes. And what people forget is it's not just the mistakes he did make, which left to go, led to goals, which I think was like five or six that led to goals. There was also probably four, five, six which nearly led to goals. But De Gea saved, or Casemiro, or Martinez made last-ditch tackles and stopped. Maguire was woeful last year, 
and he was rightly criticised by people who tried to be, you know, tried to give an honest opinion. I just didn't, I couldn't believe how talk sport were. It felt like, do you know what it felt like? I got to be honest, and I'm not one for like conspiracies and stuff. It felt like a bit of an agenda to starting against Onana for whatever reason, because I couldn't understand why it was even a story. And they milked it for like day and a half on talk sport. It was mental. Um, Reese says we need a shout at Liverpool at Cardiff. Thankfully, Orslop is out for a few games. Really don't worry him. Would love to get Tom Heaton back. Well, mate, let me tell you something, right? United, um, at the moment, they've got Anana, Heaton and Kovic. Kovic is awesome. He's a wicked keeper, but he plays exactly like Onana with his feet. I know Heaton nearly went to Luton and they stopped him because they didn't have Anana at that point. And I know they're in negotiations with this Japanese striker, uh, Japanese keeper. If they get the Japanese keeper in Suzuki, either Kovic or Heaton's going to go on loan. In the preseason, Kovic was outstanding. He also played 40-odd games last year for Sparta Prague. I would not be surprised to see Kovic stay as the number two. And then... And, uh, and then Heaton be allowed to go because Heaton want, supposedly wanted one last crack at being a first-choice keeper. But he's also counts as an academy player for United. So there's that complication. I know, I think, from what I can gather, he's happy to stay. But if they say he can go, he's also you know happy to go and do that. We would love him at Cardiff, mate. Even at 37, he's a great keeper. He's great with his feet, which fits the way the manager wants to play at Cardiff. And he's also, he, you know, he organises defence and, and says, um, Reese says it's a tough one because he's doing his job. If he's not good enough, it isn't his fault. I think it makes it worse for him because of all the media and the fan poison aimed at him. It's the added pressure. I'm assuming you're talking about Maguire. Um, he's brought a, a, I, I, I never, ever will... I think the abuse that footballers take is disgusting. There's no need to abuse him. If you're doing a podcast or you're just on your social media and you're giving an opinion about his football performance or ability, that's fine. You don't need to insult the man. But I also think he hasn't helped himself with some of the things he's done. I think he comes across as very arrogant, saying things like, I've got nothing to prove. Well, you're a professional footballer. You should always have something to prove. Um just yeah, I, I I see what you're saying, and I think it must be very difficult for him, which is why I don't understand why he has turned down West Ham as it stands. I know there was talk that David Moyes is going to speak to him today to try and sort of talk him round, but it seems like he doesn't. He thinks he's too good for West Ham. And being honest, and I'll put the question to you guys: Is West Ham Harry Maguire's level where he can excel and do well? I think it is. I don't think he's good enough for the the very top level, but I think in the right team who play the right tactics that suit him, like West Ham play a low block, they defend their own box, they play deep. That suits him perfectly. Don't really play out from the back too much. Or not, like, incessantly. So, 
it takes the pressure off him. He can play a bit more direct. He can still bring the ball out, which he can do, all right? But he can defend his box, which he's very good at. He can organise defence. He can be very good at that. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's just a weird one. Um, and Henderson, uh, transfer fell through, I believe. Yeah, that was a weird one because for the whole summer, it looked like Dean, Dean Henderson was going to Forest for £30 million. They were happy. United were happy. Henderson was happy. They were just waiting for this Anana deal to happen. And then all of a sudden, it seems to have gone quiet. So I don't know whether they're negotiating the price and that's what it is or whether it's completely fallen through. Like, Forrest have got some good keepers. Got to be fair. Um, Reese also says, uh, Maguire brought it on himself, but the media go for him for making mistakes. But that causes added pressure. So he'll overthink things and makes more mistakes and media strike again. They love it. Yeah, I think... I think he gets away very lightly, mate, in the media compared to some players. I really do. Like, Talk Sport and Sky will not criticise him. The papers sometimes have gone after him. But even, you know, like, look at last week. They went after Anana for shouting at him instead of pointing out that Maguire made a mistake, which nearly cost a goal again. It's strange to me, mate. I don't know whether it's because he's England cap or because he's uh, England's first choice. If he stays at United for money or whatever his reasons are, he wants to fight for his place. I really think someone in his team has got to put him aside and say, mate, you're potentially sixth choice. You might not even make the bench. You've, you cannot afford that in the year, like the Euros are in the summer. Gareth Southgate has already said, if you don't, you know, if you have another season like that where you're not playing, you're not going to be in the team. Like he needs to go. In my opinion, West Ham is the best team for him. But, as uh, Reese just says there, Everton, for me, Dice plays a very deep, flat 4-4-2, which suit that deep back line. Less pressure on the team, expecting to fight relegation again. Mistakes won't be criticised as much. Yeah, there's not as much media attention on Everton or West Ham than there is on Manchester United. Like, love them or hate them, United generate clicks. Why people talk about them is why I end up talking about them so much. Like they generate views, they generate people. People they talk sport are talking about a preseason friendly and about a goalkeeper shouting at a defender because it generates outrage and clicks from the United fans. They are one of, if not the biggest club in the world, and that comes with a lot of pressure. Going back to what I was saying about Hoyland. For a 20-year-old moving to a different country, playing for a club the size of United, it's going to take him time to adapt. So United fans and United as a club have got to let him adapt. I actually think when they play Wolves in the first game of the season, that Rashford will start through the middle or Sancho will start as a false nine and they'll put Hoyland on the bench just to try and remove a bit of pressure from him because they could play Ganacho off the left they could play Anthony on the right. They could play Sancho through the middle. There's lots of different options that they, you know, they they don't have to rush him in. Maybe he comes in and does really well in training, and they like yeah, he's got to play. But I wouldn't be surprised if Rashford plus starts that first game through the middle, and they bring Hoyland on for 15 minutes at the end. Um, but you're right. There's even more pressure on Hoyland, as you say, because of what Haaland's done. As I said earlier, mate, like 
Haaland is a once-in-a-lifetime freak of nature who, if he carries on and fulfills his potential and his current trajectory, will be up there with the Messis and the Ronaldos of the world. Like, he's that good. His scoring record's insane. His finishing is insane. Like, how many times do you see Haaland go have a chance and put it wide? Hits the target every time. He's so good, so strong, so quick. The only... Or one of the... Um, the only... One of the things about Hoyland, which I think is going under the radar, Hoyland is very quick. Like, so I think technically from the stats and, and the measurements, he's actually quicker than Rashford. But I think that's deceptive because actually, if you look at it, Rashford's initial acceleration is probably much, much quicker. But once you get going, Hoy, Hoyland is supposed to be real quick. Um we'll see when we um so I, I did my championship predictions yesterday about uh relegation and promotion and and the likes of it obviously did it a bit with my heart and got cardiac up there um so relegation wise i believe that in the championship the relegated teams this year will be uh rotherham huddersfield and I can't remember. Who was the third team I said? Rotherham, Huddersfield and Plymouth will go down. I think Leicester City will win the league. I think Middlesbrough will finish second. And I think the playoffs will be made up of Leeds United, Southampton, Sunderland and Cardiff City. That'll be wrong. So we'll come back to that at the end of the season. Um, my predictions for the Premier League will be as follows. Um, I think Manchester City win the league, I can tell you that much. Um, I think going down in the Premier League this year will be, unfortunately, I think it'll be Luton, Burnley, Luton, Burnley and Bournemouth. And uh, the top four, I think, will be Manchester City will win the league. I think Manchester United will finish second. I think Liverpool will finish third. And I think Arsenal will finish fourth. Uh, I think Arsenal might finish third, actually, Liverpool fourth. Um, I think Newcastle will finish fifth. And Chelsea, uh, Chelsea will finish fifth. Newcastle will finish sixth. But we'll see. Um... Uh, yeah, ha uh, he says, uh, Harland, how many times did Harland score two goals and then get subbed off by Pep? Could have scored a record number of, of hat-tricks. Yeah, unbelievable. Ha Harland is like a different, he's just, it's like he's not human. He's so, so good. Yeah, no, it would be a shame if Luton go, like, no shame on their part. I'd be gutted if they don't go down. They've done amazing, as you know. If you watch the championship shows and regular shows, I've wanted Luton to do well the last couple of years. And um, I was chuffed when they went up, I've got to be honest. But I just cannot see a way they survive. I just can't. There's, they, But they got uh, so much togetherness. You never know. Some teams have surprised us in recent years. Look at Brighton and Fulham, Brentford. They're flying in the Premier League now. Um, they're not even really in the discussion for relegation, which is crazy. 
Yeah, I've, I would love to see. I think Everton have really got away with it for the last few years. If they're involved in the relegation battle again this year, like you can't keep flirting with the relegation. I say this about Cardiff. You can't keep flirting with relegation because eventually you're just going to go down. It's just you cannot keep flirting with it. I can't believe uh, that Bournemouth got rid of Gary O'Neill. Remains to be seen whether that will be a good decision. I think they'll go down because I think a large part of them staying up was from Gary O'Neill's management. Uh, Reese says he'd love to see Everton come down. Uh, Bournemouth getting rid of Gary O'Neill is going to back, might backfire. Yeah, I agree, mate, completely. Absolutely agree. Um, in terms of who might be the surprise packages of the, the Premier League, Villa. Outside bet for top four. Take that to the bank. Um, outside bet for relegation. Um, Everton. And I'm going to say a controversial one now. I don't really think it. But if Casado goes, I do worry about Brighton in terms of where they'll be compared to what they've done in recent years. Because to lose Casado and... Um, oh, There's one little fly buzzing around, just doing my head in. Um, to lose Casado and McAllister in the same season, I think is a is a worry. I don't think they'll be relegated, but I think they might be in the bottom half. Um, I think Wolves as well. Yeah, I agree with you there, Reese. Wolves are in trouble. Um, Reese says I am tired of Sean Dyche's excuses all the time. At Burnley, after every game, you'd say we have to be realistic. We don't have money, even though they had a hundred million plus every year from TV money. Now Everton is the same thing, same excuses. Yeah, Everton been making excuses for for years, mate, and um, they escaped by the skin of their teeth probably the last two or three years. You can't keep doing it, mate. Um, in terms of the Championship, who I think will be a a bit of a some dark horses. I think Cardiff could be a dark horse, and of course, there's a bit of you know, bit of bias in there. Of course, there is. It's my club, it's my hometown, so I'm a bit biased. But I think the manager's built building a bit of a decent squad, and I believe that if Cardiff were within touching distance of the playoffs in January, the owner will spend money to try and get up into the playoffs. He will take that gamble where he'll be able to spend money again in, in January. Um, so I think they could be dark horse. As I said yesterday, though, if you had a time machine and you went and told me they get relegated next year, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you told me they came second, it wouldn't surprise me either. The championship's mental. Cardiff is like the epitome of the championship. You never know what they're going to do. Um, in terms of other dark horses, Sheffield Wednesday, I think they could be in with a shout of Maybe top 10, top 8, potentially playoffs. Um, I don't think you can say Sunderland took dark horses, but I think they'll do quite well this year again. They, I think Diallo might end up going back there on loan, which I think helps them a lot. Um, Coventry, I think they'll do well. Blackburn Rovers have got to do well at some point. Um, but my dark horses for the championship is Birmingham City. Done uh, some tremendous transfer business in the summer really really clever clever signings and um, they got a good young squad 
love it i really think they're doing a good good job yeah i agree with you reese there ipswich got momentum going into the season could be dark horses norwich disappointing last year qpr might go down yeah i think preston losing johnson's also yeah preston i think could be in a bit of trouble um and i agree with you with ipswich teams which come up from league one often do quite well the teams which have got the momentum and they finished the season well like Luton did it, Sunderland did it. Um, right, let's have a look at some of these arrivals for Birmingham very quickly. Um, so they brought in from Wolves, they brought in Dion Sanderson, a good young centre-back. Lee Buchanan from Werder Brennan, good left-back. Right-back Ethan Laird from United, he's a decent player. <coughs> um, Billich from Derby, CDM, good. Tyler Roberts from Leeds. Could do a job, I guess. Never really seen what the fuss is with him. But he's a young player. He's got a bit of pace about him. So I think, you know, he could, you could see him scoring goals. Got a couple of frees. They got Anderson from Blackpool and um, Moyoshi from, from Royal Antwerp. They signed Dembele from Bournemouth. And then they signed a couple of, um, they brought in a couple of youth players from um, their youth system in Oakley and Kelela from, from uh, midfield. And they brought in Sunich who's another defensive midfielder from Berlin, and Nico Gordon from Solihull Motors. You never know how these non-league players are going to turn out. But the oldest player they've signed is Kishi Anderson, 28, from Blackpool on a free transfer. All the other players range from 18 to... Actually, the 18-year-old the is from their academy. But they're sort of 20, early 20s, and they already have a pretty young squad. Um, I think losing Heath Chong to Luton is a blow. And I think losing Joe Bellingham to Sunderland is a bit of a blow. Joe Bellingham will be interested in the championship mind uh, playing for Sunderland because I think he's a real good replacement for Diallo, who they lost, you know. Um, I don't think he's as good as his brother, but he's only 17 and he's already played quite a lot of games, which is... Uh, you know, if he keeps on the current trajectory, he could end up being anything, I guess. You know, he's got the name as well, which means you know, he's gone for 17 and he's gone for five million, for a couple of million on paper, but five with add ons and things. Um, he made 24 appearances in the championship, you know, so he's 17 and he's played like a lot of games, and you compare that. To Ruben Corwell, who we were talking about yesterday for Cardiff, who's struggling for game time. And this is why other players develop quicker, because you've got Joe, Be Joe Bellingham, who's played 25 games in the Championship. You've got Archie Gray playing in the Leeds first team at 17, 18, and he looks like he's going to start against Cardiff. Interesting, isn't it? You know, um, so hopefully tomorrow um, we'll have a, a preview for Cardiff City's season and the Leeds game with Derek Brazil. We'll also then next week have a preview of uh, his beloved Manchester United with Derek Brazil. And we've also got an episode on grassroots football with Derek Brazil coming up um, and his involvement with Thomas Bluebirds in the Welsh League. But as always, it's, you know, it's, it's such a pleasure chatting to Derek. I love spending time with him. 
and then we we recorded instead of recording like a full podcast we recorded like a few bits of content which will be out in the coming weeks coming days and um, it's just got to give them a bit of an edit so i'm going to edit the the card if one tonight or tomorrow morning and then uh, it should be out it'll be out as soon as possible i'm hoping to get it out tomorrow night um the latest it'll be out is saturday lunchtime but um it's downloading as we speak ready to be edited so that'll be good it's um that is always a good time with derek um the championship is mental race honestly mate it is you're right it's the strongest it's been in years but it's the football that these teams play like all the team like cardiff nearly got relegated last year and their manager our manager is trying to play with an invert, inverted fullbacks to overload the midfield like it is insane some of the football that these teams will play next year Southampton have got to get rid of some players they've got such a huge squad they got like i think i read they got like 30 players or 31 players in their squad and look we know like lavia is going to go and they've sold this lad to newcastle today but ultimately they're going to be strong leicester have made some clever clever signings um so it's interesting like how things are going to develop but yeah um that's me for tonight appreciate you all as ever um i think i'm hoping to get theo from the shared end podcast on a show on monday if not he might join um me and rodri next thursday because rodas is back next week but um unfortunately theo had to pull out right at the last minute um he had a family emergency but um he will be on hopefully on Monday, but if not, it'll be Thursday. As always, appreciate you. Do drop a comment in the chat after the show's finished. Helps us out a lot. Spread the word. Join patreon.com slash acepodcastnation for like two quid or whatever it is. Really helps keep the channel funded and going and allows me to go into the studio and film content with Eat Sleep Media and stuff like that. It means a lot. Appreciate you. Take care. Goodbye. Podcast Network.